0: Michael, good to, good to yes. hear your voice. <laughs> well, good to hear you too. How are you doing this morning? I'm a little bit chilly. I, I'm, I'm sitting in a, in, a, in a radio pulpit golf shirt, which I just received, which is a short sleeve shirt, and Ting is cold today. <laughs> um, uh. Apparently, this will be the first week of winter. We're going to hit uh, single-digit uh, uh, numbers uh, during the course of the week. How's things done in Cape Town?
1: Well, sunny and beautiful,
0: what can we say? But winter is coming. <laughs> winter is coming. And and with it for you guys come those storms, right?
1: Yes, yes. We, we had a little bit of rain this week, actually, which is lovely. But um, yes, we're in for our usual uh, cape of storms winter, no doubt. So anyway, it's all part of the seasons. I love it down here.
0: Now, Michael, um, I'm not speaking to you primarily this morning in order to get uh, the weather forecast for down in Cape Town. Um, what I'm hoping we talk about a little bit is uh, the, uh, the government uh, ending the state of disaster uh, and yet keeping the extraordinary powers. So I was hoping that you'd fill the, the listeners in a little bit in terms of what's happening.
1: Yes, well, the state of disaster ends, but did it, is the question, because government effectively right at the end of the state of regulation then have tried to use the same uh, National uh, Disaster Management Act to pass a raft of interim transitional legislative regulations which will last for 30 days and effectively these give government the same powers that they've held under the state of national disaster uh, until what they're hoping is that they can flip-flop these uh, under the draft health regulations. So, I think... Oh, Michael, I think we have... You're sa pointed out in terms of the act unlawfully, um, because she can only pass these regulations while there's a state of disaster. Um, She she cannot pass these regulations once the state of disaster ends. And particularly, uh, the law says that she cannot augment... Uh, or sort of increase to uh, the, the, the regulations by using this once it, uh, the state of the national disaster has ended. So there is really no justifiable legal, scientific, or logical reasons for these severe limitations of religious freedom rights to continue for one more day.
0: Mm. I, I mean, it, it really, I uh, absolutely concur, Michael, and I look forward to a return to a state of normality. Um, in terms of South Africa, even as we learn to live with uh, this this pandemic and uh, and other other issues to come, uh, in terms of it, uh, as we think of the. The update on the draft health regulations, Uh, there has been massive opposition from all over South Africa. Um, I remember uh, last week as I was speaking to Daniela, she was already saying at that stage 60,000 letters had been received into the inbox of the Department of Health's uh, 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 kind of request for comment uh, regarding the regulations. Um, Can you give us some update in terms of what's happening and why we should be concerned about these particular Regulations.
1: You mentioned it would be so good to get back to normal, but we need to understand that under these draft health regulations, if they come into force, then the same situation that we've lived under for the last two years in other words, government being able to pass any. Regulations, any laws that it wants, whenever it wants, uh, to affect every single aspect of our lives, down to what time we must be in our houses, to whether or not we can go to church, to what we can buy in the shops and when. Uh, all these micromanaging regulations will just simply continue, except it will no longer be uh, Minister Kosazana Tlamini-Zuma, the COCTA minister, who will be regulating us under a state of national disaster. It, it will be the Minister of Health. It will simply be business as usual, and this will be the new normal. And that is why, unless we want to live under such a regime, so to speak, uh, then we must make our voices. Heard it's more than radio. Oh, so and- I just want to say, again, please, everybody should be making these submissions. Last week, there were 60,000. I'm happy to tell you that this week, I just checked the counter before I came on. Uh, it 's one hundred and eighty five thousand, but every submission counts. And the more submissions that we have, that, i mean yeah, that, the more submissions we have, yeah. the louder our voice becomes
0: i mean it 's quite remarkable, clearly uh, the nation is standing up and uh, and making its voice heard, and clearly part of the nation is the church, the church is hearing. The possibility of uh, our freedoms, particularly our freedom of religion, being restricted in terms of this new draft of, reg- of regulation uh, that's uh, that's on the cards. Uh, but Michael, maybe you could just you could just lay out for us a little bit what the what are the main freedom of religion concerns uh, around these regulations at this stage.
1: Well, one of the regulations, for example, and it's the one we're living under, by the way, this is one of the carryovers from uh, the state of national disaster, which is supposedly ending. But unless you can show a certificate of vaccination or a COVID negative test, uh, 72 hours, no longer than 72 hours old, you are literally not allowed to have more than a thousand people indoors in a church meeting or 2000 outdoors. And even if you do, by the way, have that and you can prove that you're still restricted to 50% of the capacity of your building if you've got a building that will take larger numbers so this is two things firstly, first of all it's an unjustifiable and we believe illegal and unlawful restriction on our right to worship God as we see fit uh, which is guaranteed by section 15 of the constitution and to gather together to do so which is guaranteed by uh, section 31 of the constitution but it is a medical apartheid It is literally a a vaccination don pass. And how can a pastor, seriously, in all sincerity, how can a pastor say to somebody who wants to come into his building, come into his meeting to worship God, to seek prayer, to seek healing or or, or help or comfort or all the things which uh, the Lord says, come freely to drink of the waters. How can he stand there basically as the government's policeman and say, no, you cannot come in. That is absolutely reprehensible. And you won't get a more, I believe, serious uh, intrusion and erosion and limitation of your religious freedom than that. But I think it gets uh, even worse in, in as much as the minister under these regulations can decide that any disease, it's not based on how severe it is, by the way, Uh, if it was, say, smallpox or Ebola or cholera, then we wouldn't understand, but it could be something as incidental as a common cold that we might catch twice in the winter. Once he has declared one of these diseases uh, to be a a, a notifiable medical condition, he can prescribe whatever treatment uh, he wants. And treatment, by the way, is compulsory you won't have a choice whether you receive the treatment or not. So you could be compulsorily vaccinated. You could be forced to be vaccinated. Government could literally have the power to inject uh, a substance into your body that you may not want. Uh, You could be put into a quarantine facility uh, 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 on a compulsory basis for an indefinite period of time. And all you have to be, by the way, is suspected of having a notifiable medical condition. You don't even necessarily have to have one. So these are very sweeping wide regulations and laws that will come into play and failure to comply with them by the way uh, according to these regulations is a crime you can be fined a limitless amount of money or you can be punished by being put into jail for up to 10 years
0: You know, Michael. Even as I'm, even as I'm listening to you talk, let me tell you where I'd like us to go uh, next. But I, I'd just like to uh, address something that came to my mind. I, I would like us to talk about uh, uh, freedom of religion approaching uh, the CRL and uh, and what that implies, and and what you're actually planning on asking from them. But just in terms of my own role as a pastor, right from two years ago when the virus first came out, we we, we kind of peered into a. A a glass ball. Now, that's actually a terrible metaphor. Um, But we kind of looked into the future and we considered the fact that there might be vaccines and that vaccines might become mandatory and considered with trepidation, what would we do as pastors? Um, it, basically, our role is to take care of sheep. It's to take care of people entrusted to our care. Um, if there were mandatory vaccine passes, and you had 50% of your church arrive on any given Sunday uh, that are vaccinated and 50% of your church arrive on any given Sunday without vaccines, what are you supposed to do? Because i'm not the police i mean just the complexities of navigating um it, it, under under the, the the legislation and the regulations as they've been drafted and as they've been presented and um, practically for pastors who who want to do good who who want to um who who want to acknowledge the role of the state um and the role of order um but at the same time who aren't equipped to police the kinds of things that the state would be asking Pastors to do uh, as the head representative of the gathering, uh, which has been entrusted to their care, uh, immense complexities for pastors to navigate, um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to some direction uh, from from 4SA as the as new re- le- legislation is passed, uh, basically equipping us to to make good decisions uh, when that when that happens. Uh, but the question that I've got is that is that. Well I'm Ma- Mark just, yeah, m- sure, maybe sure.
1: maybe I could just yeah. maybe I can just respond briefly to yes. what you just raised because you raised, I think, one of the central and most critical dilemmas mm. because there is no doubt that uh, and the constitutional court, by the way, has said it in express words No person of faith should ever be placed in the dilemma, which is almost an impossible dilemma, of do I obey God? And if I do not obey God, I face eternal consequences for not obeying him, or do I obey the state? And if I do not obey the state, I face very serious, perhaps uh, secular sanctions and punishments for not doing so. You should never be placed in that situation, and yet that is precisely the situation which the government is placing you in, as a pastor particularly. Because you have to understand that if you do what government wants you to do, you will be sending people who want to hear the gospel, who want to receive the grace of God, you will be turning them away on the basis of the fact that they are non-compliant with government's vaccination requirements. Mm. And let's just put this in context. We have, we know, over now 80% of the population with immunity, either because they been uh, infected with covid and recovered or because they've been vaccinated and 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 if you want to be vaccinated good for you you can be vaccinated anytime you want by the way there's nothing to prevent you and yet you have to be the policeman and literally turn people away. And if you don't, then you can be punished. You can be fined. You can even be put in jail. Mm. What kind of a dilemma is that? Where are our freedoms? Where are our constitutional rights there? And, and, and that by the way, just to take on is one of the reasons why, in fact, the main reason why we approached and I believe other religious organizations have approached the CRL rights commission because they are specifically empowered uh, as a chapter nine institution uh, to, and I'm going to quote, facilitate the resolution of friction mm. between religious communities in any organ of state where religious rights are affected. And you, you can't really get a more obvious uh, opportunity for them to intervene. And so we have requested them to do so, because clearly these regulations directly infringe on the rights of religious people and communities. And, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll wait to see what they do.
0: And I mean, I, and I'd love for you to possibly just flesh out a little bit more uh, what the CRL is and uh, and how they are empowered, Michael. But to say, you know, as a pastor, I've, I've, tried, to, I've tried to walk the line. Um, I'm not a medical professional, and so I've tried as hard as possible not to play the medical role in terms of uh, advising people to take vaccines or not take vaccines. Uh, I've been exposed to the same kinds of information that I imagine most people have been exposed to over the last couple of years. Um, but I've tried to take a, a, a measured response uh, in terms of in terms of giving advice or doling out advice. The problem, though, is as we come closer and closer to this to this point of no return, where my behaviour is legislated by the government, that there actually is no dilemma at all. The the reality is those pastors who serve God <laughs> serve Him before anyone else uh, the truth is that we recognize uh, the state under God but we always recognize God first um, and, 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 and so whilst I understand the dilemma is one choosing to uh, choosing the consequences of our actions or not uh, there is no dilemma in terms of what our choices will be there will always be to serve God first at least that, that I mean I speak for myself and I imagine I speak for many other um, leaders of faith when I say that
1: Yes, and that has been the position of uh, true believers throughout all of church history. And that is why, in many instances, believers have been martyred and chosen to be martyred for their faith, because they will not, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, obey man rather than obey God. But that is a terrible situation to be placed under. And again, I I think it is important to say that, we still have a moment to make our voices heard in this matter as the people of south africa as believers in south africa we need to make our voices heard and we need to send our comments to the minister of health he's opened that door of opportunity and i believe that before the 15th of april which is literally a good friday next week we have this moment to make our voices heard and i want to encourage people take a moment literally it's going to take you probably less than three minutes out of your day, three minutes of your time, go to the 4SA website, forsa.org.za, and there you can click on a link and you can immediately make an online submission. Or if you want to, you can download a text document with the address, the email address of the Department of Health, and you can send in your own submission via email. But please take a moment because the more submissions the government receives, The louder our voices become and it comes to a place if we can just gain enough momentum and speak or rather shout as the numbers grow loudly enough Mm. then government must listen to us they cannot just simply go ahead and do what it is that they have said they're going to do if we don't if we be quiet then we will lose these rights that have been hard won and hard fought for and we will not easily gain them again and it's not just for you by the way It's for future generations, so make your voice heard while there is a chance.
0: And Michael, just to say, it really is a three-minute process. Uh, my mom has filled out these forms in the past, uh, working through the 4SA website, clicking through, going to DearSouthAfrica.co.za, uh, dear, um, dear uh, filling in the form. It is easy to do. Uh, do encourage. Uh, it's not a petition. So you're not just, you're not just filling out a form and, and letting it go. Think through the issues. Uh, 4SA gives some guidelines in terms of what you might want to say uh, in your forms submissions. Some of that can be copied and pasted. Um, It is a simple process, um, but your voice really does matter. Uh, We've gone from 60,000 one week ago when I interviewed Daniela, and it's quite remarkable interviewing you this morning, Michael, to hear that 185,000 South Africans have made submissions. And just to encourage... South Africa now is the time to stand this is important legislation uh, listener I would encourage you to uh, get involved as quickly as possible Michael thank you so much uh, for for speaking to us this morning really appreciate you and appreciate the work that you guys do
1: thank you Bob. great to be on the show
0: and enjoy the last of your summer sun down there brother winter is coming <laughs> 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 every blessing to you